This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. The goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He plays. Oh, he's the one. The Red Raiders. He's at the 10. Puts he up the right sideline. Yeah, he's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first. Hello and welcome to the Republic of Football show that isn't afraid to acknowledge Texas's best soccer team, Austin FC. Sad I am face. your host, Ishmael Johnson, who lost a bet to the person fist pumping next to you, Mike Craven. Mike, how are you doing? It's a very Verde day on Republic of Football. We're happy, we're excited. We're uh, mentally in Los Angeles right now, yeah, preparing for the yeah. Western Conference Finals. Yeah, uh, for those of you that missed it on Saturday or Sunday, that was a great Texas Derby uh, conference semifinals. Austin took care of FC Dallas 2-1. Um, I don't know, before we vamp about that game a little bit, before we get in, I uh, should probably introduce Mallory Hartley <laughs> over there as well. Hi, Mallory. <laughs> you know what? So you, you started going off on your rant, and I was like, I'm going to pull out my marker and just start drawing on here because it's going to be a while. So, uh, <laughs> no, hey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it <laughs> was good like, to see you yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, Mike, uh, you know, you were there. Mike Craven was there. Um, awesome environment. You know, I got – there's – Austin FC's come in and, like, had instantly probably, like, a top five, top three home – experience yeah. it reminds me of that first atlanta season yep. when united really took off um but yeah you know the match it was, it was really cool for texas soccer uh houston dynamo step it up because you got two contenders now um as an fc dallas fan it was cool to see them be ambitious in the offseason go get paul Ariola, see jesus ferreira take a step forward see alan velasco but man that first half against austin fc i was terrified uh, <laughs> yeah yeah sebastian Dreussi changed everything for MVP. Austin FC. MVP. He, he got there like two weeks before I left the job. Right. So we're not sure if it was his arrival or my departure that really turned around uh, Austin FC. And, and to bring this to college football so we don't lose too many sure. uh, reporters <laughs> one, or uh, listeners, I guess is the right word. One of the things that I always enjoy about soccer and yeah. that I will, I guess two things. One, the scoring is real. Yes. Right, people are like, "Hey, it's very low scoring." It's like, "Well, football would be too if there right. were just one point to score." It'd be right? three to one. Yeah, You're like sure. it's thirty-five twenty-eight. It's like it's five to four. Right. So it's not <laughs> right. that big of a deal. Two, the two-hour window in mm. which soccer takes place. Like I, mm. I knew exactly what time I'd be home. Yes, that's and why like, it works for TV too. The yeah. day before, Amazing. the day before, Texas and Oklahoma State had played a four-hour and fifty-minute regular like football game that didn't even go into overtime. Right. You know, and it was just like, ah, this is nice. So right. you got to clear uh, a whole day if you're going to a football game. Yes. yes. <laughs> you, well, you just don't know when it's going to end. Yeah. And with soccer, you do. And I've always loved that aspect yeah. of it. So, so uh, go Austin FC. Yeah. Yeah. Like go you said. Austin so if you're not paying FC. attention to soccer in this state right now, it's right now is a good time. Because uh, the Houston Dynamo, even though they're not very good, they're making ambitious hires, things like that. Yeah, so. new ownership. Also, yeah, new there's, ownership, things like that. there's probably more scoring in those games than there is in an Iowa football game. So. <laughs> 100%. That is very yeah. much true. You can, yeah. I can guarantee you that oh, uh, yeah. both teams average more goals per game than probably Iowa does offensive touchdowns. So speaking that. of Points, no offense. Points, anyways. Yeah. Ooh, buddy. Speaking of offense, do we have some great news coming out of Texas A&M? Just kidding. It's a lot of bad news. Uh, first, before we get to the – latest bad news that came out uh there was some that came out injury news 
Uh, Bryce Foster. Oh, man. Um, and there was another player. I'm forgetting his name. Um, yeah, three three offensive linemen out. A highlight uh, of that being Bryce Foster. Yep. Out for the year, Jimbo Fisher confirmed. I mean, an offensive unit, offensive line unit that was already struggling, right? Now they lose their best player and a bunch of other players that were really contributing to that. I feel bad for kind of whoever take you know, if, if Connor Wigman's a guy or whoever's going forward, like they're going to have to be running a lot for their life now <laughs> because that already shaky offensive line that seemingly took a step back now is getting younger and more inexperienced. Um, and, yeah, that's just – it's as if we thought things couldn't get worse at AM. So The offense has been bad all year. Yeah. It's been especially bad when Bryce Foster hasn't been on the field. Yes, yes those first couple games were – horrendous for them yeah so and then once we thought well that sucks for AM. some more bad news happened for AM. um texas a&m has suspended three freshmen for a reported locker room incident at south carolina including the prize puzzle piece of their recruiting class in 2022 denver harris five star so it's been it was denver harris wide receiver chris marshall and offensive lineman pj williams uh they're suspended indefinitely uh, according to Sam Khan, who's the first to report that, I think, uh, yeah, I think Texags reported the news, but and then Sam Khan reported the names. Right. I believe is how that happened. So, yeah, as if this week wasn't already going in a bad way after South Carolina. Now you lose six players. Now, uh, obviously, three to kind of unfortunate incidences on their, uh, you know, reportedly on their own doing. We don't know what the issue is. Obviously, Denver Harris and Chris Marshall had the suspension, or I think the first half suspension. I was going to say, were, who, was the, who was the same? It was Denver, De- Denver Harris was definitely the same. Chris Marshall, too. Chris Marshall, Chris Marshall Mar- was, PJ too. PJ Williams is the only one that was not involved in that Got incident, it. Okay. against Miami Got after, it. Or after yes. Miami. Yep. Um, so now, right, you're in a situation where you're Jimbo Fisher, and you're kind of in a, another crossroads, right? You're kind of in a, well, I have my culture to uphold, but also I got to beat Ole Miss. <laughs> <laughs> and I really got to beat Ole Miss this week, right? Earlier in the year, you're like, oh, they're still on a way where you can kind of justify it and be okay beating these teams. Now it's like, all right, you lost South Carolina, man. Now I don't, I don't think Jimbo Fisher would be. It's not bad that he would hold them out if he, he holds them to that suspension, right? Yeah. Culture over everything. But you are rolling out guys that aren't Denver Harris and not uh, Chris Marshall and PJ Williams now. So, you know, especially with the injuries to the offensive lineman, now you lose PJ Williams. Okay, where are you at now? <laughs> A&M's a program in need of some good news, you know, some good vibes, yes. right? And you would have hoped the off week allowed that to happen. Sure. You know, like, hey, let's all come together. Let's get on the same page. Let's fix some of this stuff. You kick off against South Carolina. They take the opening kickoff back for a touchdown. It's yep. like, whoops. <laughs> there goes that. You know, and then you get you get three offensive linemen out. You got three, you know, stars. I mean, these guys, you know, sure. two of the three are legit already playing starter basically guys on your football team and they're out and if you can't hold the attention of the 18 year old who's playing what's happened with the 18 year olds that aren't playing in that recruiting class that are still redshirting I think right now for Jimbo Fisher you're looking towards 2023 and not only in terms of like on-field product Mm -hmm. but in the locker room in the culture who do we want to be around who needs to get out of here sometimes there can be uh, you know addition by subtraction right Mm -hmm. and so now, I've heard this talked about a lot. This is kind of what happens when you bring in a recruiting class that's not getting there based on love of the university. Sure. And maybe that was always a little bit overrated. A lot of times it was coaches or uh, facilities and you know playing on ESPN or playing for national titles. Maybe it wasn't always the love of the university. Sure. But today in the NIL world, it's becoming less and less about that. And when things start going 
poorly, when things aren't going to script, it's easier to jump off a boat you're not as in tied tune with. To. Right. Yeah. As yeah. In, you know, and so uh, I think that's what you're seeing with AM right now. If these guys were seven and one, we wouldn't be having these conversations. Mm-mm. Sure. But since they're three and four, you're starting to see some leaks in this boat and, and it leads you to start wondering what's going to happen in the offseason and how many of these guys are going to be in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Because, like, not only, I don't even want to worry about, like, you know, obviously it is a concern about Denver Harris and Chris Marshall, right? That's two incidents now. But, like, if you're, like you mentioned, if you're an Evan Stewart, if you're somebody else who's like, well, this is how we're running things here? Like, yeah. you know, it's not even the guys that are getting in trouble that I'm yeah. worried about. It is the guys that, you know, are are there that aren't, that are just not wanting to be a part of that, maybe. Um, if you're Anthony Hill. Right, exactly. Yeah. If you're DJ Hicks. Yep. Right. And you're seeing that, I'm like, man, they seem, that seems a little chaotic over there. Why would I want to be there? You know, the good news is DJ Hicks still very firmly committed. So, yeah. you know, we'll see how that unfolds. But, yeah, I think it is a good sign for that class that, you know, we're not seeing that trickle effect right now, mm-hmm. um, especially with how the season's going. Um, so, anyway, yeah, speaking of AM, let's just do it. Let's just get right into the games this week because, yeah, this one is a very interesting one, especially after losing last week. We talked about AM's schedule and how they're kind of running out of games where you're probably penciling them in as a favorite, right? Yeah. And there's, there's no, let me put it this way there were no games where you were pinning them. But there were, all, there were some pencils where he's like, oh, yeah, I can erase that later. But heading in, feel good. Last week was one of them. That didn't happen. And so now you go to Ole Miss, a team that, again, you have to squint to see it, but you're running out of games to squint and see a win. <laughs> so now you, play, now you play Ole Miss, who, if South Carolina was feeling themselves, Ole Miss, Ole Miss is, is going to be – I was about to say, they're kind of like <laughs> South Carolina in a way. I mean, they're probably both the fun up, coaches, both say, fun environments to play in. Yeah, like they're playing for each other, playing for their coach. Like they're not going to lose to an a and team that's not even playing for themselves because yeah. you're getting guys suspended all the time. Yeah. I think the worst thing that happened to A&M was that Ole Miss lost last week. Sure, you sure. Because yeah. yeah. your hope you. is that they you know, would have came in 8-0, maybe overlooked you a little bit. You know, Kyle Field is always a tough place to play. Say yeah. what you want about A&M, that's always a hard place to play. Ask Alabama last year, right? I mean, it's just a, it's a tough place when they're geared up. Mm-hmm. They're going to be up for this game. You know, yeah. Lane Kiffin always, you know, it's an event when Lane Kiffin comes down. You want to hate him, you mm-hmm. know? And so I think Kyle Field will be good. They'll give a boost to this team. You'd imagine you'd hope this team plays kind of back against the wall, throw everything out there you'd imagine the offense you know anything that's that's creative and clever left in Jimbo Fisher's playbook should be emptied sure you know this weekend uh, but this is an old Miss team that averages 38 points per game and it's not all through the air right they have the best one-two running back combination in the country Jeez. easily you know I Bajon Robinson Rashawn Johnson may have an argument with that and mm-hmm. that, that may be it and so you know Ole Miss can score a lot of points my question is if Ole Miss gets to 30 can you even can you imagine A&M winning the football game? Right. I mean, right now, no. I'll say that flat and, out. And like, so yeah. that Texas A&M team has been okay, but they have not been good against the run defensively. We give the defense a lot of leeway, and we go, well, the offense is really bad, but the defense plays good. That secondary is great. They've been good against the pass, but they have given up a decent amount of yards per carry uh, on the run. This isn't the Ole Miss Lane Kiffin offense. I think people assume that it is. It is a physical hit you in the mouth, have some skilled guys at running back. Yeah. It feels like a long day ahead. For Texas A and M, I will say uh, I didn't know. La- I, I read about it last week, and I just looked into it. Zach Evans didn't play last week. There's a lot of mystery around. Surprisingly, there's a, there's a lot of mystery around his status right now. I don't think he was hurt last week, so I think it, I don't know if there's some coaching issues. Obviously, fit. You know, that's kind of been a, a, unfortunately a thing with him and his recruiting. Um, but I will say that didn't matter. They still ran for 117 on the ground yesterday. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins had uh, four yards of carry. 
uh, last week against LSU. Of course, they still have Ulysses Bentley, things like that. Jackson Dart's been fantastic for them. The difference is, and I think where LSU was able to pull it off, because you may look at LSU and A&M in a similar light, right? Like in terms of like, here's talent here. It needs to be coached up right. LSU's not an untalented team, right? Yes. Where, and maybe you looked at last week similarly, where, okay, Ole Miss should roll LSU. The difference is, LSU had the best player on the field in Jaden Daniels. Last week, he was mm-hmm. spectacular. And Brian Kelly, I think, for all his negativities, he people remind he reminded people he can coach, right? He coached yes. the hell out of that yes. offense. And I have, uh, let me see, Jaden Daniels, 21 of 28, 248 through the air, two touchdowns, no picks, 121 on the ground, three touchdowns on the ground. He knows how to coach. Jeez. And he had the best player on the field. Now, you can make the argument, A&M would have – one of the best players on the field if they were fully healthy, um, or if you felt comfortable in that system, right? I think Devonta Chain could be that best player on the field, but I don't think the way they're using him or with the options that you know exist at quarterback, that teams are going to let anybody else do anything. So it's like, yeah, there's one guy, we're fine. Like, if your best player is not the quarterback, it's easy to scheme him out of the game, yeah. right? Especially when you're missing three starting offensive linemen. Sure, sure. And, and I think that's what hurts the creativity – creativity of Jimbo Fisher right even if he wanted to call games in a more exploratory way yeah it's hard to do when your offensive line can't block and I'd imagine it's only going to get worse from here if you're missing those guys and so you know what do you call how do you get creative you're probably going to have a a true freshman quarterback back there Mm -hmm. Um, and so it you know I know at home we talked about this like A&M playing at home sometimes can pull upsets and they come up with performances that you don't predict and I would not be shocked if A&M made this a game or even won this game but on sure. paper it feels like one that could get away from the Aggies really quickly if they don't start if it starts 17 and nothing again if Ole Miss gets up to a 17 nothing lead like Southern South Carolina did mm-hmm. Ole Miss isn't going to let you come back to the pack. They're right. going to put 50 on you. You yeah. just can't keep up. I mean, Ole Miss is averaging like between 30 and 40 points a game, and Texas A&M can barely even reach 20 yeah, in exactly. a game. So they're not going to be – they can't keep up with – they're not going to be able to keep up with Ole Miss, I yeah. don't think. Uh, I will say uh, I'm going to end with – because I love Lane Kiffin, <laughs> i got to end with this quote from today's presser on DJ Durkin. Um, he's, because, of course, he was the defense coordinator at Ole Miss. A&M, they brought him in. Somebody asked about uh, DJ Durkin going to Texas A&M. Lane Kiffin said, we tried to keep him, got outbid, which is a common theme with that school. Oh, I love Lane Kiffin so <laughs> Which the much. best part about that is <laughs> he brought in how many transfers this year, knowing damn well that they're also getting paid. So yeah. I love that. I love that. He's like, <laughs> Zach Evans didn't leave TCU for free. <laughs> he's wearing a transfer to the sip shirt yeah. in like the week two press conference like that's if it knows exactly what he's doing the cool so. the cool part about doing. being a troll is you're not you know hypocrisy does not any, matter right, right. Hypocr- he's like you're a hypocrite yeah yeah so what okay yeah, <laughs> it's still true he owns it him and mike leach are probably my favorite yep college coaches out all there. right mallory let's get to the rest of our games of the week all right craven you're gonna be at this one baylor at Texas Tech this Saturday at 6.30 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN2. Texas Tech coming in as two-and-a-half-point favorites. The over-under set at 63. Pretty pumped for this one, guys. I would be, too. Jones Stadium. For people who have never been out there, Texas Tech has the most underrated game day atmosphere in the state. Everybody talks about Kyle Field. Texas Tech is awesome when it's sold out, especially at night. night. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a blackout game. It's going to be fun. Uh, Joey McGuire playing against a Baylor team he helped construct. You know, I'd say 70% of those guys on the roster were recruited there by Joey. Um, 
Baron Morton is coming out of his shell at Texas Man. Tech. He's he's completed 62% of his passes and over 320 yards per game yep. in two starts. One against Oklahoma State. He looked a lot better against Oklahoma State on the road than Quinn Ewers did, for example. Texas Tech's kind of coming alive at the right time here. Both teams four and three. Richard Reese, a star at, at Baylor, but that Baylor defense, not as good as it's been in years past. Mm-hmm. This one could get a little fun. One of those nighttime old school Big 12 games where you look up and it's 40 to 40 with three minutes left or something like that. Zach Kitley's offense is averaging 89 plays a game. There's not another team within nine plays of that. They've run over 100 plays three times this year. Like they are doing it. Yeah. And that's with the running game. They ran the ball more times than they passed it last, last week. So they're staying balanced, but also running a lot of plays. Defense starting to come up with some turnovers. Uh, defensive line's pretty good. This one feels Texas Techie to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little too far into the eye of the storm here, but sure, it, sure. it feels like a lot of things are pointing towards Texas Tech. Baylor's got a Baylor. That defense needs to come up with some turnovers in order to win this game. You, yeah. you you're not going to win this game unless you win the turnover margin. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at the you know shout out again to Parker Stats War on Twitter. Looking at his preview of this one, he has an interesting stat on here that I didn't realize until he explained it on Twitter. It's called a run rate over expected, which is basically the closer you get to one, you rank them. Closer you get to one is more passing you do, things like that. The closer you get to the bottom. He basically said, I like passing, so pass. So the good number, the, the closer to one is good. <laughs> and I, I don't like running, so like the lower you are, you just means you run more. It's not like a bad or uh, good or bad. Um, Texas Tech is seventh overall while still having a balanced attack, yeah. right? They are very Gosh. much not a Mike Leach 70 times passing a game. They are... 74th in EPA per pass and they're 54th in EPA per rush right like that is the fact that they're churning out the plays they're churning out the tempo and now potentially now have the chosen one at quarterback right it's it's hard to imagine performance wise going back from Baron Morton you know obviously injuries happen things like that but he looked fantastic last week he looked really good against Oklahoma State yeah is this like where we were, where we were, kind of like uh, confused on what Texas Tech was when they were winning games, upsetting Texas, things like that. You're like, ah, Donovan Smith still kind of turnover prone. What is this kind of offense down to down with him? Can he really operate what Zach Kittley needs to do? Baron Morton, so far, yeah, I think he can. And I wonder how much. I don't want to look at retrospect because again, that's just a situation that injuries and all that stuff. Tyler Shuck would be here if, if everything was perfect still, um, but. The ceiling now. Okay. I, I don't know, right? What's the ceiling of this offense now with Baron Morton, who looks really confident, going against a Baylor team that's, I want to say, trending in the other direction, but a little bit plateaued a little bit, in my opinion. Um, and like you mentioned, Joey McGuire sees all those guys. He knows all those guys. So is he going in the defensive game plan room being like, all right, we know Kyron Jones or you know whoever takes the snaps, we know they're not going to do X, Y, and Z. So we're going to do this right Richard Reese is the only weapon they got right now consistently down to down we're gonna make sure that x y and z happens with him right I don't know because Baylor doesn't know tech the way Joey knows Baylor right now tech has the familiarity advantage they have the home field advantage I think they're playing better football right now I'd imagine the locker room feels a little bit better not because they're necessarily a better team just because the expectations were higher for Baylor yeah exactly. like Texas Tech at four and three feels better about that four and three than Baylor at four and three we were That's hoping they, we were works. hoping Tech got to a bowl right six six and six is a great season for Joey McGuire and Texas Tech considering that out-of-conference schedule Eight and four is a bad season for Baylor because sure. they're the Big 12 champion, mm-hmm. you know? And so expectations make everything relative. 
Blake Shapin is really good. I, I have confidence that Baylor can put up points. Richard Reese has been has been awesome. That offensive line is figuring it out more and more for Baylor. So I don't doubt Baylor's ability to score points against Texas Tech. I also don't doubt Texas Tech's ability to score points against Baylor. For me, this one comes down to turnover margin. Mm-hmm. The defense that makes a play or two off script, off schedule that you don't expect is going to be the team that wins this game because every possession is going to be super, super valuable because both teams are going to put up points. It feels like a throwback Big 12 game. Yes, it does. Right, because with the questions we had about Baylor's offense maybe earlier in the year when Blake Shapin wasn't on his game, like those are more or less solved, right? They're a solid, balanced team that can hurt you. Now that they found Richard Reese in the run game to balance that out, we know Blake Shapin can make the throws. We know they have a running threat, and that's the side they're kind of hinging everything on. They're 103 in defensive EPA per pass. Yeah. That is unheard of for Baylor. So, yeah, it feels like it's going to be one of those throwbacks. Somebody's got to hit the 40s, basically, to win this one. So, yeah. Yep. All right. Let's move on to our next game of the week. Our last game of the week. North Texas playing at Western Kentucky this Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Again, you can watch it on stadium. Uh, Western Kentucky coming in as the favorites of this game by 10 points and the over under is is set at 68 and a half and north texas had the season in their hands they did with a minute 38 left they could have moved to 4-0 in conference usa with a tiebreaker over utsa a minute later you're down it's and then you got to go to western kentucky the next week it just feels like to me it's just a big there's going to be a big momentum shift it's just a snake you know it's just the thin margins I just and I don't, I don't think these teams match up very well either. Mm-hmm. I think Western Kentucky's got one of the most efficient passing offenses in the nation. North Texas has one of the worst passing defenses mm-hmm. in the nation. I I honestly kind of see a blowout coming and I would take the over on this game a it, little bit if I'm betting, I don't know. It does feel like now granted they could absolutely this could I I could see a lot of scenarios playing out, but narrative wise and kind of how we've seen seasons go for certain teams it does feel like last week was like the backbreaker right right like you had your rival beat in your house again two times in a row commanding lead in the division a mm-hmm. chance to really seal basically this week could have been to seal the division yeah. right right and all of a sudden it's like oh never mind like and now it's like well crap now we're we gonna make the conference title game well crap now we're we gonna and so it's like mm-hmm. again the, the way this team plays if they play their game absolutely they can make you know they could punch Western Kentucky in the mouth, make it a physical game, be right there, make, you know, they're right back in the conference championship discussion. But I could also see that being just like, Jesus, we had this team on the rope. They're injured. We were punching them in the mouth. Frank Harris was making mistakes. We had all this. And then a safety forgot to get over to the corner and JT Clark had one-on-one with Tejada. And that was, (laughs) that's the season. Because this Western Kentucky trip is a free roll game if you beat UTSA. Exactly. It's like, ah, if you lose, oh well, dust it off. You have FIU, UAB, and Rice after that. You went out, you're, you're in there with the tiebreaker. Yes. Um. But then you lose that game. Now, all of a sudden, you go on the road. You, you play a, a Western Kentucky team that I would argue is the second-best team in this conference. Mm-hmm. And now you go to, you lose two in a row, and you're basically out of it because you don't hold the tiebreaker against either of those teams. Yep. I think a bowl game is still you know pretty much in hand for them. Mm-hmm. they got FIU at home, uh, UAB on the road. UAB is not as good as they've been in years past. Then you got Rice at home. A Rice team that's probably at six wins by the time they get there. Sure. Uh, so I, I think six and six, seven and five is still out there for North Texas. As Mallory mentioned, this is a very tough matchup for that North Texas defense. They're going to have to get to the quarterback in order to help that secondary. Yep. Ridge Tejada is going to have to have some turnovers. Um, but then offensively, North Texas can't win football games. They run 22 yards. 
No. Yeah. yeah you know, they, and, and their four wins this year, they're averaging 321 yards a game, a game running the football. Mm-hmm. And their four losses, it's around 100. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, we kind of look for these stats or these, these things that kind of like you can point to after the game. North Texas runs the ball like they did against UTSA. They're not coming close to winning this football game because Western Kentucky is going to be the, on, on the field way too often. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to yeah. control the football and play defense by keeping the ball. Yeah. yeah. Here's my worry, though. I'm worried that Western Kentucky is going to come out big, come out fast, mm-hmm. and they're going to be up 17 nothing. And then North Texas is going to try to keep get back Pace to that, that spot. Right. And then Osnani is going to have 30 points. He's going to pass 30 plus times, right. you know, no, you and that's where, that's where they behind. get in trouble. Yeah, you can't fall behind. Right. I will, I will say, I think UNT is good enough to where I think if they're down two scores, they should stick with the plan A, right? The run. I think they're good enough defensively to make a stop and get a couple three scores. I think that's where that happens, right? 17, like you mentioned, I think 17 right. is that number where like, that's where I would really start, start to worry. Trying to, I was about yeah. one or two scores. I think it's good enough, right? The def- we've seen the defense make plays, and so like I'm not saying they'll stop them or shut them out, but like I think they could stop them for a couple drives, get a turnover here and there, stick with that running game. But yeah. the second that hits three scores, that's when you're like, well, sh- what's in the playbook? You know, like, right. let's, here we go. Let's get vertical. Let's get this. So I think they're good. I think they've proven to be good enough to where if the lead is 10, 14, hold Pat, stay Pat. We'll figure this out. But once it gets up to that 17 three, three score game, then you're like, all right, Austin on, he's going to have to probably try to win this. And that's when turnovers, that's when 50% completion yep. happens. Yeah. They're um, not winning the football yeah, game. So they're going to run the ball 50 times this week. I was about to say, they're, I, I think I agree with that. I very much agree with that, where it's you, like, we're going to go out playing our style. Yeah. If we lose this game, we're going to absolutely be the top I think the even if they're down 17 game. to nothing, Seth Luttrell keeps running the football. Like, sure. Because they know throwing it doesn't work. I was about to say, yeah. Like well, if, you're, if you're a fan, you you probably be like, oh, but it's like, no, no, that's how they got to win. Like the, well, that's exactly. how that has to come right. back. If you got to come back, and you're just proving a point. Sure, yeah, yeah. This proving, is the way we play football. Right. You're proving a point <laughs> yeah. to your roster. Like this is how we play football. Like we are a physical football team. We were embarrassed last week. Yeah. Not on the scoreboard, but in in the toughness challenge against sure. UTSA. Yep. Yeah. The Roadrunners beat them up up front. Mm-hmm. Beat them up. Seth Luttrell's not built like that. Right. He's not somebody who's going to take yeah. losing a fight very well. <laughs> right. Right. In real yeah. life and fake life and <laughs> any of that kind of stuff. Like he's just not that dude. Right. So they're going to come out and they're going to punch Western Kentucky in the mouth. And that may not be enough, but they're going to absolutely do it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's good I will point. say, I'm looking forward to that rice game at the end of the year. It could be a big it's one. Be bloody. It it's going to be, be bloody. A, just it, a big bloody brawl. <laughs> and it, depending on how things go. A lot go, of turnovers, baby. <laughs> a lot on, of interceptions thrown, I'm sure. <laughs> it may, may, may not be any passes thrown. Yeah. I was about to say. <laughs> It'd be funny, like, Latrell and Bloomgren just get together, have a gentleman's agreement. Like, let's just run the ball at each other. <laughs> I love that. Well, I was going to say, instead of overtime, <laughs> they just, like, it's Bloomgren versus Latrell in the middle of the field, just, yeah, like, wrestling. Right. <laughs> just like <laughs> It's like, all right, everybody off. Y'all had your yeah. chance. Bloomgren's a tough guy, but he doesn't want any. No, he doesn't want any. Except Latrell. Nobody does. But there is a scenario where Rice and North Texas are five and six, both five and six going into that game, where it's like winner gets to bowl game, loser probably <laughs> winner keeps their job. Up yeah, some boxes. Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a fun matchup. Let's hope for it. All right, let's get into the wide zone. Yes, congratulations, Craven. Thank uh, you. Just, <laughs> Every week, I'm just. Gonna, I mean, it's just it's a bit now. I it almost cussed at into, you, Mallory. I almost. Into I almost cussed. I, Do it right as, now. That was as close as I've got. Our sponsor, North Texas Honda Dealers, <laughs> is what keeps Craven from cussing on the show. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. did you end up hearing my uh, my intro um, to ROF on Sunday? I did not. I said, "What did I say?" I said, 
a show that has committed far less penalties. You almost committed a penalty right yeah. then and there. Yeah. Uh, than the than Texas had in one game or something because they had like 14 last yeah, week. I, but did. I was almost drawn offside. You almost drawn offside. Anyways, let's get in the wide zone. TCU playing at West Virginia this Saturday at 11 a.m. You can watch it on ESPN. TCU coming in as seven and a half point favorites. The over under is set at 69. Nice. Home team West Virginia has been much better than road team West Virginia. That is a good point, yeah. That is a and weird so, point, but yeah. This is a home team West Virginia. That offense has been a lot better in Morgantown than they've been on the road at, against Texas, against Texas Tech on the road. They've looked like a really bad team, but against maybe this is just the process of like how I watch West Virginia. Maybe. But when they were at home against Baylor, they looked really good. Mm -hmm. And so the three times I've seen them when they've been on the road, they hadn't been very good. When they've been on, at home, they've been good. It's easier, you know, that offense is a lot easier to communicate and do that kind of stuff when you're not dealing with crowd noise. I don't know. It, I've st I keep waiting for this TCU team to like crash down to earth. But sure. like maybe that's just not what they are. Like this could be just who TCU is as a football team at this point. Yeah. Seven and zero, cruising along, should win this football game. Max Duggan playing great. That running, I feel like we don't talk about the running game enough. Sure. Like Max Duggan and the defensive improvements and just the freak show that is Quentin Johnston kind of dominate the you know, the rule of three, mm -hmm. right? Like there's that rule of three that we can only talk about three things for a football team at a time that Kendra Miller and that running game, that so offensive good. line has been so good that it's allowed Max Duggan to take this step in his career that we've never seen before. I agree. I think with this game, the thing I'm interested in is now that TC we're about to hit November seven and zero. there's a little thing that comes on Tuesdays that I think starts to creep into that locker room a little bit is the college football playoff. Yeah, I thought we were going to talk about Sonny and his, his November struggles. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. Look, at this point, look, we thought it was September Sonny, and he's yeah. winning outside of September. So, like, at this point, you have to start looking at they're the last unbeaten team in the Big 12. Mm -hmm. They have the resume. There's not a Pac-12 undefeated There's team. There's not a Pac-12 undefeated team. Those first rankings come out November 1st, next Tuesday. And I think that's going to be something – in that locker room, that's percolating, right? They're not used to it. Exactly. Yeah. And, like, we don't know what the – they could – I mean, I'm not saying they will, but, like, of course we know these rankings are weird, and me and Craven have talked about frustration with them in general. They could come out next Tuesday and be four, right? Mm -hmm. Like, for, there's, there's – because that's how rankings work. There's no common sense to them, right? They could be four. They could be three for all we know, right? They could just be like, yeah, I like TCU. They're in the playoff. And it's like, oh, now you go from a season where it's like, I don't know, we probably win seven, eight games to like, oh, we're in the playoff now. Yeah. And now you're playing with that expectation potentially. At the very least, they're probably eighth, I'd assume, in the first rankings coming out. And ever since when those playoff rankings come out, that's all that matters, right? Nobody pays attention to AP poll anymore. Nobody pays attention to the coaches poll anymore. So then every the spotlight turns. And w what was a cool story, oh, TCU, game days in Fort Worth and all that stuff. Now it starts being like, okay, here comes the big spotlight, college football playoff. And I can't tell you that Sonny Dykes knew he'd be walking into uh, <laughs> that come November, right, when he took the job. But, and I can tell you these players probably weren't like, yeah, we can win a national title. Like, yeah. but you, potentially you're living in a world where they're playing for one if things go right. So that's my worry, right? I'm not as much worried about Western. I do agree that the, the road thing is very weird and kind of interesting. But I think they'll take care of business here. But now it starts to be like, all right, does the do they try to maybe or do we get to the style points thing 
right? If they're up big on West Virginia, do we just like keep the pedal down because the rankings come out Tuesday? Well, I think being undefeated is enough. Sure, sure. If that's you, fair. If you go undefeated through the Big 12. With the lack of undefeated teams game, now, right now. It'll yeah. be enough because if you lose one, it won't be. Right. The perception yes. of the Big 12, the perception of you as a program, 11-1, and 12-1, not good enough to get into the college football playoff unless you know Clemson loses a game, mm-hmm. Ohio State loses a game right. that's not Michigan. Maybe Alabama loses a second game. Anyway, you're going to have to go undefeated to beat TCU. Yeah. My thing is, like, what's the best win for TCU? I guess it's Oklahoma State at home. Sure. But if you go back and you look, right, like Oklahoma's quarterback got injured in the middle of their game. Mm-hmm. Kansas Kansas's banged up. quarterback got injured in the middle of the game. Yeah. They probably lose to Kansas State if Adrian Martinez doesn't go out in the middle of that game. So, you know, the three out of their last four wins have been against ranked opponents, but those three three of those teams aren't going to be ranked for much longer. Sure. Um. I don't know. I just don't know if I believe TCU is a national title contender. I'm still trying to convince myself that they're a Big 12 title contender, but right. I think that's me carrying in my preconceived notions more so than than on the field stuff because I've seen them live twice this year and they've been impressive both times. Yeah, yeah. Because here I was going to say here's here's the top, let's say six mm-hmm. in front of TCU: Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, Clemson, Alabama. Is TCU better than any of those teams? No, no not right exactly. now. Exactly. No. So. And I don't even why know. put them in the 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 the, the, the weird part is like they could go unbeaten, and they could very well be the Big Twelve represent representer in there, and I still wouldn't pick them over those six teams probably. No, because like you know, a couple Tennessee. of them got to lose though because they exactly. play each other. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But like I look at all those teams and I'm like, yeah, that I like that team's win over that team better than any of TCU's right. and all that. And so, but my point is like, whether or not they want that discussion, yeah. that discussion's going to come to them. Yes. Right, that whether or not I think they're a national title contender, they're seventh right now heading in November. Or, uh, yeah, seventh and seven and zero oh heading into November. Again, that could change this weekend if they lose. But my point is, we're this close to the rankings coming out, and they're going to be in the discussion when ESPN releases the graphic. You know, the top four and then the two left out. They could be one of the any of the logos on the screen. To basically. your point, I think that starts to creep in after they see it. Sure. Okay. That's you fair. You know, you That's see fair. it at seven. You see those teams in front of you. Or they're you're like, just, oh right. man, it's real now. Right. 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 Like now it's real. And I think if they get by West Virginia and if they get by Texas Tech, yeah, that at Texas game November twelfth. Yes. That's gonna be a big indication. That's gonna, be, that, a that's gonna game. be the when the national audience tunes in to see if TCU is for yep. real or not. Sure. Yep. Because it's at Texas too, I think, yes. right? Yes. Yeah. That'll be that'll be a tough one. All right. You just gotta let Texas get a bleed. <laughs> yeah, and then it's all sailing. Sunny Dykes, yeah, Sunny wants Dykes to be, is baby. all good to go. <laughs> that's that's going to be unanswered. Uh, I can't talk about this much, but that's going to be a big game for Sunny Dykes. Yeah, going to be a big game for Sunny. He, he's going to want to play Texas. No, oh, Gary Patterson's going to be there too. Right, on the other team. That's it. I was about to say that's <laughs> probably why. He wants that's to play. Okay, yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on to Houston. Playing South Florida at home this Saturday at 11 a.m. You can watch it on ESPN two. Houston coming is coming in as 17 and a half point favorites, and the over under is set at 61. Yeah, they needed it's a good buy. matchup for Houston. They needed that buy. Yeah, they needed that buy. Yeah. Navy was a good matchup for you. They're fine against teams that don't pass the ball very well. <laughs> right. And South Florida is another team that does not pass the ball. I was about very to say, well. I think Gary Bahannon's out for the year now yep. for them. So yep. it's like, and they weren't all that great at passing it before then. Sure, sure. Um, and so that Houston secondary, which is the weakness of the team won't get exposed as much. Clayton Toon, five touchdown passes, no interceptions. 
Nathaniel Dell was back to kind of playing slot receiver, doing what he does well. Stacy Sneed had 100 yards rushing. Yep, yep. Um, so they looked like the offensive line was better, and the penalties were lower. They did less dumb stuff. Mm-hmm, I know yeah. that's kind of simplistic, but they just did less dumb stuff. They played they played a cleaner, more executed game uh, of football. That's what it'll take to beat South Florida. Man yep. for man, they're much better than the South Florida team. You just need to show up. Don't turn the ball over. Play sound defense, tackle, all that kind of stuff, and you should win this game by double digits and, and cruise to another win. I was about to say, this one should be very much in their pocket. We, we talked about their bye week being at the right time because the schedule coming out of it was very favorable to Houston. Uh, we mentioned Gary Behannon's out. He's their leading passer, obviously. He was one of their leading rushers, so like there goes two threats out the window. So, yeah, this should be a very much a controlled game, and hopefully you don't have to pay attention to this one too long. So. Yeah, because they're still kind of in the American race. Sure. You know, they'll, need some, they'll need some help, maybe a stump but yep. like that's not unheard of yep because mm-hmm. their schedule going forward is i mean they can run the table yeah. pretty easily i mean at smu temple at east carolina at home versus tulsa i mean yep. they, they could easily uh run this table and then just kind of wait to see if tulane or cincinnati falter and they could sneak into this thing so there's still plenty to play for for the cougars mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. another game you probably aren't going to pay attition to rice taking on charlotte <laughs> this <laughs> saturday how dare you 1 p.m on espn3 <laughs> it's gonna be a bad game hopefully it goes in the uh, hoot hoots favor. chum in the water right? yeah uh, <laughs> have you ever seen rice win by double digits before <laughs> well, <laughs> we may see it they're coming in like, as 17 and a half or 17 point favorites in the over under set of 59 i was about to say will healy got fired so charlotte's kind of a rudderless ship right now and it's well, chum in the water. This is potentially a good old, good old haymaker fest for yeah. Mike. And Blue. Al's beatdown. <laughs> and Al's How many beat times down. have we seen that? Let's go in your life, like five. <laughs> um, I still this this line. So I'm going to put my gambler hat on. Sure. Seventeen points. You give Rice seventeen points against me. I'm taking me. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, I just can't – like, they just don't play the type of football that blows teams out. And yeah. also, like, this could go either way. Like, do, because in terms of the spread, I'm thinking Rice wins. But – Yes. Does Charlotte get the new coach bump? Yeah. Right? Because there's sure. always, like, uh, you assume it's like, oh, the coach is gone. They're right. going to fall off a cliff or whatever. Right. Oh, no, Nebraska's figured right. out some stuff. Yeah. Uh, all these teams yeah. that have fired coaches, maybe they just needed a different <laughs> voice in that locker yeah. room just to s- squeak out another yeah, win. Sometimes it's just a little bit more fun when dad leaves. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's like, exactly. oh, man, this is nice. Yeah. That's, That's a good nice. analogy. I can do whatever yeah. I want to do. Schooler. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's pretty, I might go to bed on time. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, I think there was a quote that came out from charlotte's practice that said like because somebody asked him i I forget who the interim is but he asked him about the rest of the guys the rest of the staff and he says no they're all staying on staff and think we're changing some some stuff at practice and he mentioned the players have taken really well to that yeah so it's like okay that that gray cloud can follow you and you know something's gonna happen you just don't know when sometimes it just happens and it's like okay well now we can move past it yep and so you know again i don't I don't think Charlotte's going to win this but football say, game. Yep, so Rice should be fine Rice unless they throw like six not, turnovers or yes. something like that. Yes. I'd imagine if they throw two, they just don't throw the ball ever again against Charlotte <laughs> right. and should be able to win this football game. Uh, but when I saw Rice you know, favored by 17, it was like, oh, wow. Yeah. Because when you're used to being the underdog and having to play that kind of like they don't believe in us, nobody believes in this card, what happens when you're 17-point favorites mm-hmm. and you're four and three and a win gets you one away from a bowl bid? There's a lot of expectations all of a sudden on Rice, and this is one that you can't let get away. That's new. That's new territory. Let's see how they handle it. Yeah, that's a good point because, yeah, like you said, they've got – four wins right now they should yep. win this one and the next week they play utep yep and they've got to win that game so yep. this this game has a lot to yep. ride on you know yep. all right let's move on to our next 
Wide zone game. I do love, hold on, before we move on, I love that North Texas, UTEP, and Rice are all going to play kind of this round robin yeah. bowl type thing the last Slug couple fest. weeks with, yeah. with coaches kind of on the last or second to last year of their contracts. Yeah. Like, it uh, it could get spicy. Yeah, we said we said this during the, the recap show last week. I was like, there's a lot of teams that are sitting at four wins right now yeah. that need two more to get to a bowl game. So this next half of the, the college football season is going to be really exciting, you know, yeah. at least in the state of Texas. So, mm-hmm. all right, let's get to SMU at Tulsa this Saturday at 2.30 p.m. You can watch it on ESPN Plus. SMU coming in as two and a half point favorites. The over-under is set at 64. This is Mike Craven, the opinionated one talking, not the reporter guy talking. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'd roll with Preston Stone. I was just about to ask. Yeah. I'd, I'd yeah, roll with do. Preston Stone. You pulled, that tr- this, you this pulled year, the trigger last week. You right. pulled it. This year's kind of a wash anyway. If you get to a bowl game, great. If you don't, whatever. Um, this was all about figuring out your roster and kind of laying the foundation for Rhett Lashley and this group, you know, all together. And if you can start Preston Stone, get him working in this offense, get him some games, all of a sudden you go into 2023, at least with that position figured out. Sure. Yeah. And you can build everything else around it. Um, this feels like an important game for the Mustangs, though. You lose this game, and it does feel like the season's – basically over yeah but you win this one there's still stuff to play for you can go get a bowl game you can figure that out because remember smu's had their last two bowl games canceled Mm -hmm. you know so none of these guys have gotten to actually go and experience that stuff with kind of covid behind you know in the rearview mirror whatever you want to believe about that but just like in general you know that's not as much of a concern anymore you're going to have more bowl games this year there's not going to be as many canceled as in years past so if you're smu you want to win this game just to keep spirits up in the locker room and continue to have stuff to play for but for me the biggest storyline is what you do at quarterback do you hang on to the guy who's shed blood for you and who's done a lot for you, who's stuck around for a coaching change, and Tanner Mordecai deserves all of that credit? Mm-hmm. Or do you go with the guy who you think is going to be the starter next year and you just go, hey, let's get a little head start on this? Yeah, I think that uh, I think Joe Hoyt tweeted out that Tanner Mordecai is still recovering, obviously, from the concussion last week. Uh, he was at practice in pads, so, you know, it is Wednesday, so – I don't know. Um, he could very well pass protocol and be fine to play Saturday, but I agree. You pulled the ripcord, right? We wondered heading into the year if they'd stick. We assumed he would stick with Mordecai just based off last season, but – and also to me personally, I think once you pull the ripcord and we'll get – you know, we, uh, we, had it la- we had a discussion like that last week when it came to Texas, right? When you pull the ripcord on a quarterback, to me, you pull it in favor of the guy that you know is going to be there. Yes. Right? Because you don't pull it for the guy that's potentially going to leave or right. going to graduate or whatever because – you're managing, whether or not you say it's soft or whatever, you're managing emotion, yeah. right? You're managing somebody else. So if you're Preston Stone, you prove last week against really good defense that you can hold your own, right, with, in spot duty. You come in without a week of prep with the ones, and you look pretty okay. Now you put in, you show that, and then let's say Tanner Mordecai doesn't practice all week, but then is, clears protocol, starts Saturday, and you're like, oh, geez. Maybe he doesn't like me, right? Yeah. Maybe I'm going to transfer, right? And you always, again, you always pull, you look at what Tech did. You look at what Texas did in the offseason by announcing Ewers as a starter over Hudson Card. You pull the trigger on the guy that you think is going to be the guy for multiple years because that's the era we live in, right? right? If you make somebody upset, they're going to be like, all right, cool, bye. Like, you know, right. um, just like with Tech, they pulled the, the trigger on Baron Morton. And they know Baron Morton's going to be here next year, right? Yeah. It might not be Tyler Shug, might not be Jonathan Smith, so we can't necessarily go back to those guys. We know Baron Morton's going to be here if he's the starter. So that's where I'm at. You pulled the trigger. Preston Stone was a highly touted recruit from that Sonny Dykes era. You keep him, keep him there, 
Red Lashley knows who he is. He's obviously recruited him as well. You stick with that. So and beyond the concussion stuff, they're one in four. Yeah, in it's the like last you're not, five. I was about to say you're not. Now's the time to do it. Shake I think, it up. I was about to say the thing about. I think Tanner Mordecai is a good quarterback, but I think we're seeing a ceiling with this team with him. Yeah. Right? If he does not have maybe the running game to balance out what he did last year, that dynamic, insane deep backfield. He probably isn't the guy that's going to shoulder an offensive load, which isn't bad, right? That's saying he's a good college quarterback that's not transcendent, right? You potentially have someone who's recruited as transcendent. Let's see it, right? Let's see if he can do that. Let's see if you have a Baron Morton-type performance in Preston Stone. Right. And by the way, 2022 has been a pretty good advertisement of Sonny Dykes knows what he's doing. <laughs> Man, right? You right. know, everywhere you look, you're like, maybe... <laughs> Maybe knew something. Maybe the cow thing we should just throw away. I was about to you say. You know, like maybe that wasn't like a real indicator of who Sonny Dykes is as sure. a coach or whatever. Uh, um, yeah. Well, look at La Tech. I mean, Skip Holtz kind of kept the ship steady there, but Sonny Dykes had them right. double digit wins. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Let's get to our last game of the week UTEP playing Middle Tennessee at home. This Saturday at 8 p.m., you can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. UTEP coming in as one-and-a-half-point favorites. Over-under set at 52. Uh, UTEP should roll them, right? Middle Tennessee hasn't won a conference game. That's true. Middle Tennessee hasn't. UTEP's not very good, though. I was about to say, this might be. You know, I think like, they're better I'm, than this team, though. Fair, but this is, this is, is one of those teams good. where you look at and be like, we can get a win against these guys. Right. That, that, to me, like uh, if, I'm, if I'm Middle Tennessee, right, you're like, hey, here's the chance to get back on your feet, right? Because right. you're not going to do it against, you know, if they play to UNT or a UTSA, right? So you look at UTEP as like, sure, why not? Like, I think, I think UTEP is better, but to Craven's point, I do think th- this – because those those three lo- those three conference yeah. losses are UTSA, UAB, and Western Kentucky. Right, great teams. You know, like those yeah. those are those are just better football teams. Right. You know, like UTEP's not in that category. Right, UTEP's right. in the Rice La Tech mm-hmm. category. They needed overtime to, or they lost to La Tech by a pretty decent amount. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only beat FIU at home by three points. Like it's, it's not a, weird, it's not a great team. Like I don't I don't look at anybody. N- UTEP does not get the benefit of the doubt to blow out anybody. Yeah. Like, there's no yeah. such thing as an easy win. This is a team that lost in New Mexico and only beat New Mexico State by seven points. So, it's all a dogfight, in my opinion, uh, for UTEP. I think these teams match up pretty evenly. UTEP is getting better and better. Deion Hankins, that running game, is getting better. I think the front seven starting to play well. J.J. Taylor's leading Conference USA with seven sacks. And so, he's kind of becoming the star defensive end, not the, you know, not praise mm-hmm. on the other side. Maybe that's, you know, offense is paying more attention to praise and that that's opening it up sure. uh, JT a little bit more. But I think this is going to be one of those close games. That's a dog fight. That's a lot like the FAU game. That's a little ugly, a little hard to watch at times, but you get into the fourth quarter and it's 20 to 20. And it's just the team that, you know, makes a big play or prevents themselves from making a bad play. Mm-hmm. You know, I do think this is a, a game that comes down to, you know, a series or a turnover or something small like that. It's going to be that fine of margins. I also I, think they're coming into this game knowing they probably need to win it to make a bowl game, to get to six wins. Mm-hmm. Because they have this one, the Middle Tennessee, then they play at Rice, which that might be yeah. a secret. It's the start of that round robin yeah, we talked about. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And then FIU, that'll be a win, and then they end it with UTSA. So it's yeah. like it kind of seems like 
they need to come into this game thinking, wow, we need this yeah. to get to six wins. That, this that is the lost, easiest route to get to six wins. I was about to say, that loss to La Tech really put them yeah. back where we thought, like, oh, they're fine, right? right. They right. kind of set them back a little bit. And I forgot they needed that 100-yard fumble return to beat Charlotte. Yeah. Right? Like that Ooh, was, it, I it, forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, I completely – I looked at that score, and I was like, how did that happen? And I was like, yeah. oh. J.J. and Taylor. Right, exactly. Yeah, so they needed that star to kind of come Dang. out and to, to pull over that win. Yeah. So I will say this much. Uh, this game's not going to be fun to watch offensively. Both these teams' offenses, although UTEP's starting to find its footing, they're still not very good, right? Uh, Middle Tennessee's offense is not very good. I believe they're 123 and one and 123 and 87 in rushing and passing EPA. Yeah. Rice 41 in rushing, but 109 in pass. Uh, sorry, that's uh, defense. 73rd in rushing and 112 in passing yeah. EPA. So again. How did Miami lose to Middle Tennessee? Because Miami's bad. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> how does Miami get that bad? Awful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, I, that's I great, know. That's a great point. Um, yeah, we thought Middle Tennessee was on the rocket ship to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> like you, like you went to the A&M Miami game because you thought it was going to be great. Yeah. Like that was going to be a premier matchup. Yeah. And yeah. Then now they're both stink. Both, losing to Middle yeah, Tennessee. Both stink. Yeah. I was up till three o'clock in the morning for that. <laughs> <laughs> imagine it's uh, crazy where we well are spent. now night well spent took me an hour just to get out of the parking lot <laughs> brutal oh uh, don't you terrible. love it don't you love this <laughs> don't you love some of this parts of this job <laughs> sitting in the park watching Ma- miami and a&m yeah. <laughs> but no like look i think utep will, sh- should win this game because like what mallory said they're running out of should win this games yeah. right and so this is one of them we'll see Middle Tennessee, like Craven mentioned, their losses aren't bad. So I don't know if they've just played bad teams in a back in a front-loaded schedule, or if they actually are pretty bad. Because, like you mentioned, whether or not they beat Miami, that's not a team that should beat Miami. Yeah, so there's some kernel of something in there, right? right? Yeah. Whether they got to resuscitate it or what, there's a little kernel of something that maybe just needs a little extra that's jolt. Because if you're like yeah. Middle Tennessee, right? Like I know, well, I know we're not a Tennessee podcast. Yeah, yeah. Sorry for this. Oh, I was gonna get into uh, the Knoxville recruiting. But area, you so. know, you, <laughs> you're at UTEP, then you're at La Tech, then you're Charlotte, then you're FAU, and then they're, at, they're FIU. Right. You know, we could we could turn around and see this team as like a seven and five, eight and four football team at the end of the year, and just right. be like that three game window was just really hard. Yeah, yeah. That you was know. just the best teams in the. Conference. It's kind of like what's yeah. going to happen to Rice at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, right. some of it's just schedule. Right. You know, like right. when you run into those teams, if you avoid those teams, you know, like it's a good point. North Texas doesn't get Charlotte this year; they're probably guaranteed a bowl spot. Sure, mm-hmm. sure. You know, it's just exactly. sometimes it's just luck of the draw or luck of the conference realignment decision. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you can't convince me that UTEP's schedule isn't great because they're not leaving the conference. You just right. Yeah, nobody, right. nobody's ever going to convince me <laughs> yeah. that that there wasn't some some. Tom Fullery going right. on. That's, that's, that's a good way to put it. That'll that'll also make that UTEP Rice game next week really interesting because oh, yeah. both yeah. need to win it. I mean, to, can you imagine both wins. both win both teams sitting at five wins? That's crazy. You know? That's gonna be fun. I'm gonna be there. I was about to say, yeah, that's Are you gonna be there? Yeah. Oh nice. That's yeah, Thursday night, man. That's Thursday true. night. This is, there's not a more on brand Mike Craven thing <laughs> than UTEP at Rice on a <laughs> Thursday I love night. It. I love it. <laughs> That's I fantastic. mean, that's everything. Thursday, that's right? every. There's a juice land right next to Rice Stadium. <laughs> I mean, you're in your element. <laughs> Timmy Chan's right down the street. Like, man, that's great. Man. That rules. Yep. All right. To uh, to round it all out, we got three teams uh, not playing this week, and it's just Texas, UTSA, and Texas State. So Who needs to buy the most out of those three teams? Ooh, uh, Texas State. I'm gonna go Texas State. Oh, it's a homer pick, but yeah. after the, those two losses have been demoralizing. I'd say UTSA. 
I think from a health needed. standpoint, yes. probably Physically, UTSA. Yes, yes. Absolutely. I think UTSA yes. needs it I more. Think so. Now, I do want to wrap up with this really quickly. We talked about it in the office a little bit, a little bit about the quarterback thing with Texas last week. Okay. A lot of people on Twitter were clamoring for Hudson Card, right? Sark, why are you keeping Quinn Ewers in the game? Why are you doing this? Blah, 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 blah. I mentioned it no. a little bit, right? When you name Quinn Ewers the starter, Quinn Ewers is your starter. And unless it's for injury, <laughs> that's the move you made, right? Because, and you mentioned this, and I'll let you hit on it, what if Hudson Card comes back and wins that game? Right. And then you have another <laughs> controversy on your hands. And if you're Texas, you're probably, if a fan, you're probably like, well, good, right? We win the yeah. game, right? But right. I want you to elaborate there, on this. There, there is a fear of success yes. sometimes, right? Like, I think the best example of this is Matt Wells at Texas Tech. The mm -hmm. reason Matt Wells was fired at Texas Tech at 6-2 and two or 7-2, and two, whatever it was, was because what if he won the next three? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you can't fire him. What if Hudson comes in, leads you to two touchdown drives, you win at Oklahoma State on the road, and now for the next two weeks on a bye week, you got to answer questions on if Hudson Carter is your quarterback or if Quinn Ewers is your quarterback because you will trade eight and five or eight and eight and four for six and six this year if that means Quinn Ewers is still on campus and gets you to ten and two or eleven and one next year. Yeah. You cannot risk Quinn Ewers getting disgruntled and bolting. Yeah. And I know that that's not everybody's favorite topic in college football and that that leads to other conversations that, you know, whether you believe them or I believe them or what, it doesn't matter. What is true is these are one-year contracts. Mm -hmm. And if you leave a guy high and dry or he feels like he's getting played over when you've basically begged him to come to your university, you cannot risk losing that guy. This is not an offensive guard mm -hmm. right. or a safety or something. This is the quarter this is a five-star quarterback who's going to be a first round second round nfl draft pick you have to just ride through some bad times it's just what it is mm -hmm. this isn't yeah this isn't basketball where you know and we talked about sark's play calling i think it didn't do him any services no either, right if quick no. is off then just don't throw the ball as right much yeah, they did. yeah but, you don't need to throw 25 times in the second half and you don't need to throw vertically exactly much. exactly so like you know obviously in the offseason lock him in xavier worthy in a little booth and make <laughs> them make them be able to throw uh, throw to each other in the dark but um but you don't put him in that situation, and it's not basketball where you sit him for five minutes, let him cool off, and yeah. then come back out, right? right? Or if he's Steph Curry, you just have him sh keep right. shooting. Right? And if That's he played another right. position, you could do that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. But and nobody look, notices when your left tackle misses a drive. Right. You they notice yeah, when, when your quarterback When Hudson is in, every right. media, all that stuff, Twitter goes crazy, all that stuff. So, again, I think Sark handled that perfectly. Yeah. He took the L, and, again, people are, gonna, people are talking about second half Sark again. Like, yeah. he's going to take that because he knows – I'm playing for the potential national title quarterback that I have. Yeah. Right. They're so. playing to win the Big 12 in 2023. Sure. Yeah. You know, exactly. anything that happened this year was gravy and awesome. And if they're a year ahead of a schedule, fantastic. Yep. But especially when you add in the injuries early in the year and stuff, that was Quinn Ewers' fifth start since he was a junior in high school. I was about to say, you just let him, you just got to let him play. He's right. on the road. People are like, well, Spencer Sanders, Spencer Sanders has started four, like he, the, the only Big 12 quarterback in the last 10 years to start every like every opener of freshman through senior year is Spencer Sanders, by right. the way. That's crazy. Right? Say, like, he's a four-year starter. I was about to say, at this rate, he was playing with J.W. Walsh for all, right. for all we know. And like, he's still throwing picks. He's been like. there so long. <laughs> right. Spencer Sanders is such a long veteran, long-term veteran. This, like, is, these, this is not a video game. Right. These are human beings that like have to evolve in real time, and that takes problems like you're gonna see some step backs mm -hmm. and if this is true next year against oklahoma state bench him right 
Because right. then you got a guy that's going to be there potentially. Because right. you got Arch Davis. Manning there. Jeez. Ewers has started for 12 games at that point. We he, know you're he's not the guy. Right. Whoop. Like, you know, you should have some more security in yourself by that time. But this is a dude who's still figuring. He's played one four-quarter football game since he was a junior in high school going into that Oklahoma State game. Yep. One. And that was the week before yeah. against Iowa State. So you just got to live with that stuff or you avoid it altogether. And Sark clearly didn't. Mm-hmm. He wanted Ewers there. This is this is what you get. Yep. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, you know, quarterback controversies will continue to be a thing. Uh, just remember a little bit. Remember to know what these coaches are Context. Kind of juggling with. Context. And exactly. Mm-hmm. This is modern college football. Whether you like it or not, this is the sport we love and enjoy, and this is the way it is right now. So with that being said, we have interviewed 12 of the eventual 13 FBS head coaches. Shout out Sam Houston State. And we will continue to get more until Jimbo Fisher gives us a call back. Go Rutgers. <laughs>